This weekly. We're so thankful to have you on. We hope you came praying. Uh, we're privileged tonight to have Elder Uncle Tim Montgomery. How you doing, Brother Tim? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Dean. Uh, remind us where you're serving at. I pastor New Hope Permanent Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Arkansas. Uh, praying for you all up there, and we are, are praying for you today that the Lord might uh, give you a message and us the ears to hear it. And, uh, and with that, we're going to ask Brother Mark if he'd open us with prayer. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to gather together one more time. Trust that you'll continue to watch over us in our broadcast. Uh, we ask that you would take Brother Tim and lift him up and remove the vain and transitory thoughts of this world and focus his <laughs> mind on thee and thee alone. Um, bless him to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for each of us and those that are listening and those that will listen that, that you would open our minds and help us to see the grace of a risen Savior uh, and to find our hope lifted up and our trust strengthened, Heavenly Father, as we walk in this world of sorrow. Forgive us of all of our many sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. With that, Brother Tim, the floor is yours. Thank you, Brother Daniel. Appreciate it. Certainly uh, appreciate being with you all tonight. I count it a true blessing to, to be on the broadcast, although I'd rather be on the panel than the speaker. But I do pray and, and appreciate that good prayer, Brother Mark. Pray that uh, the Lord would bless us for just a few minutes to, to speak on something. Y'all, I, I, I tell you, I, I had gotten behind, so I, I caught up this week on OBW. And uh, the last two weeks, Brother Mark, two weeks ago, wow, that was just wonderful. 
truly a blessing. All the discussion was so good. And then last week, I mean, even Brother Mike Mosley hit a home run. It's like, wow, that was great. So I'm ex- I'm, I'm hoping for a double tonight. Uh, but if the Lord would bless it, maybe we'll stretch it into a triple. Uh, uh, just my little poor attempt at humor. I would like to look at something very basic, uh, but that's just, just been on our mind the last couple of weeks. And um, that is the, uh, the thought of Christ given and Christ offered, right? We, we understand by Scripture that Christ is a gift, and we also understand by Scripture that Christ is the offering uh, that was necessary for our salvation. Heard uh, it, it just seems so much of the of this nation's religion is based on the tenet of acceptance right so much is is based on whether we as god's people accept his sacrifice accept him as our lord and savior um you know various ways to put it but it's it's based on acceptance and i tell you dear friends cruising studying meditating and 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 uh, the Bible, I don't see anywhere where Christ was ever offered to us so that we could accept him, right? In fact, there's really not that many scriptures that that speak on acceptance or accepting. Uh, most of it is really focused on the other side of the equation, which would be the offering. So, you know, we do have 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, uh, to, offer up, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So there's something that we are to do. But again, that's not us accepting it. That, that's us offering up spiritual sacrifices. I, I think sacrifices of praise certainly is under consideration. And, and our hope and prayer is that God would accept those spiritual sacrifices. Again, that's not talking about us accepting anything. And really, the only scripture that talks about us being acceptable or accepted is the beautiful scripture in, in Ephesians chapter 1. And you got to get 5 and 6. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Wow, what a beautiful scripture. So if if there's any accepting to be done, it's, it's God not accepting us, but making us accepted. So again, for just a little while, I would like to think about Christ as a gift and and Christ as an offering and to to um, to think about how actually both of them are necessary for salvation and and of course we're talking about our eternal salvation salvation from our sins um, the, the the sin offering uh, the sin sacrifice so Christ as a gift right very Again, not bringing anything new, but just maybe packaged a little bit to, to make us hopefully stir up our mind and make us think a little bit. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is, is 
born unto us a child is given. So Christ is a gift. A child certainly was born 2,000 years ago, but a son, the eternal son of God, was given to us. John 3.16, probably the most well-known verse of scripture in the world for God so loved the world. And, and can I say that? I mean, that is truly speaking of not the human race. It's talking about the world of his elect. Uh, I think we all understand that. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God gave his son as a gift. All right. So a gift is a transaction. It is, and and the transaction, the the transfer of ownership or possession of the thing of the item being given occurs at, uh, upon the act of the giver. All right. So the the blessing thought of of seeing Christ as a gift is is understanding that. Possession of that gift, ownership of that gift, occurs upon the action of the giver when it's bequested, right? So, so uh, several years ago, I worked I worked for a college, and you know one of the biggest things that we all, no matter where you worked in the college, we all dealt with with fundraising, right? That was a huge part of of the operations is 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 obtaining funds or or gifts bequest from donors in the community. It's all about getting the the endowment, you know, uh, uh, higher and higher and get as big of an endowment as, as possible. So you wouldn't go to a donor and say, hey, you know that $10,000 in your wallet, why don't you just give that to the college? You know, that, that didn't happen. What you would do is you would ask, you, you would get them to pledge or bequest $10,000, for example, to the college. And as a true gift, the college would be able to count on that money, not necessarily when they got the $10,000, but at the moment of the bequest. Now, kind of going to what Brother Mark talked about a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately, in this day and age, you know, uh, where he was talking there about an oath uh, that's been confirmed. Um, I can't even think about how, how that goes, but... Uh, you know, a, a, you know, a man can't disannul or he can't add into or take away from. So it would, at the moment of bequest, transfer of that money, it, is, it now belongs to the, to the college. Unfortunately, you have to come up with uh, laws and rules and uh, accounts, allowance for a doubtful accounts, because some people don't always follow through on their word. But we're talking about God. God giving a gift. God cannot lie. God cannot go back on his word. And I say, dear friends, that the moment God gave his son, he was ours. He was ours. That's why I believe, you know, I truly don't understand things that occurred in eternity past. But we do understand that because of, of what Christ said in his in his uh, high priestly prayer is recorded in John chapter 17, where he says, restore and speak, praying to the father, restore unto me the glory that I had with thee in the beginning. 
I take from that that there was a point that that the glory of Christ had to be set aside. Certainly, he was still glorious, and and uh, but but the full glory of God as the Son of God had to be set aside the moment that God gave him as a gift. The moment that the Father, the Son, and the and the Holy Spirit made that covenant of grace before the foundation of the world, he had to set aside his glory. Why? Because the gift had already been made. So the, 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 what I get out of that, dear friends, is that salvation had to happen. There's no doubt that Christ would not come, would not die on the cross, would not give himself as an offering unto God. It, there's no doubt that that wouldn't happen because God gave his son. Not only that, but Christ gave us his life. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So he gave his life. And then Mike, Romans 5, verse 18. Don't you love it? Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. I was told in, in I think, in sophomore English class that, uh, and I can't remember that. I was trying to think about what, what it's called, but you're not supposed to use, you know, words that mean the same thing. You're not supposed to use them together in a phrase. Um, it, it, you know, so, and free gift was actually a phrase that was, that was used as an example. You would not say, you would not, you should not use the phrase free gift because they mean the same thing. Well, the apostle Paul did, and I'll take it. So, free gift. I also think this is why we could, uh, to me, it gives a little bit better understanding to Romans chapter 9, verse 11. You know, so many people have such a hard time, especially those that, that may not have, haven't been blessed and to have the understanding that, that we have been blessed with. But Romans 9, verse 11, where Paul says, for the children not being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So because God gave us his son and because transfer of, of possession of that gift occurs upon the moment that the bequest is made, all of these things are assured. And my action or my inaction has no bearing on this transaction. On this gift, right? So the giver is God, the gift is Christ, the recipient is the elect of God, and the conduit is grace. That is Christ as a gift. Now, we also see Christ as an offering, and both the gift and the offering are necessary for the substitutionary sacrifice to be effectual. So we go to the book of Hebrews, where Paul talks about Christ. Uh, as as the offering, right? Didn't really focus on the acceptance. Paul really focuses on the offering itself. But the offering we know has to be accepted. Otherwise, it, it it's not valid. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 and 27, for such a high priest became us who is holy, 
harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. So Christ is not only the offerer, he is the offering. He offered up himself. And that is displayed so beautifully when in, in the book of Genesis, when we read about how Abraham took Isaac up into Mount and into the Mount and, and offered him, you know, that is beautifully displayed uh, and uh, as, as a type of, of this substitutionary sacrifice. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That, that, that first half of it is a mouthful that explains everything about the offering. First of all, we understand again that Christ is the offerer. Christ is the offering. But we find out here that the offeree is God the Father himself. Christ, nowhere in Scripture is Christ, that I can find, is Christ offered to me. And thank God, thank, thank the Lord that is the case. Because I know that if, 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 if God devised this means of salvation to where he bestowed his son as a gift and his son gave his life and he became the offering and he made that offering to me, you know what I would do in my Adam nature? I would reject it. Because I, I, we don't, Romans chapter 3, we don't look to God. We don't seek to go, seek God. We don't ask for God. I mean, our human nature would reject that offering. I, that's what I think. So thankfully, Christ didn't offer himself to me or to you. He offered himself to God. We also understand by the Old Testament that the offering, trying to look at the time, that the offering had to be a perfect offering, had to be a, a lamb without spot, without blemish. It had to be perfect, no tainted in no way whatsoever. And Paul tells us that Christ offered himself without spot to God. Wow. So Christ is the offer. Christ is the offering. The offeree or the recipient, though, is God the Father. Now, with a gift, right, transfer of ownership or possession occurs at the moment the giver gives the gift, right? At the moment of bequesting. For an offering, transfer of ownership or transfer of possession of that offering only occurs upon the act of the recipient, right? Not when the offering is made, not when the offering is offered. It is not, it is not valid until the recipient accepts the offering, right? If I, if I give Mike a watch, I don't know why I watch. I don't know. Maybe because I don't know. Never mind. If I give that to him, whether he puts it on his wrist or not, or in his pocket or not, it doesn't matter. It's his because I gave it to him. But if I offer him a watch, it's not his until he accepts it. Right. So the important aspect of this offering is, did 
God accept the sacrifice? I, I tell you, what that's the question. Not whether or not we accept Christ's offering, but did God the Father accept Christ's offering? That's the question, and that's what needs to be answered. And I, I, I tell you, dear friends, you know, certainly the resurrection is proof that God the Father accepted the sacrifice. But, but I truly believe that that the the that. I, I, I'll put it this way. I think the moment of acceptance was immediately before Christ said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. Because if God the Father did not accept his offering as a sacrifice for the sins of his people, I think Christ would still be on the cross. He would still be trying to save his people from their sins. But God accepted that sacrifice. He accepted that offering, and so Christ was then able to say, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. Certainly the resurrection is, is further proof, and the fact that he sat down on the right hand of majesty on high is even more proof. So Hebrews chapter 9, 24 through 28. Sorry, i got to read all of it. In fact, I had to cut some out. You really need to go even earlier. But cry, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So actually, we are part of the transaction, but the only place we have in this transaction of the offering and the acceptance is we are blessed passive recipients of this offering, of the result of the offering, right? The offerer is Christ. The offering is Christ. The offeree or the, the, the recipient is the Father, and the conduit is the Spirit, right? Because he says, um, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God? Do you realize it took a triune Godhead to secure salvation? Christ offered himself to God the Father through the Spirit. All right, so. So now he's entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And then finally, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, by the which will we are, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So again, the question is not will we accept it, but did God accept it? Thanks be unto God, God accepted it. I tell you what, dear friends, I, I, I think of Paul when he when he wrote in Romans, who shall, uh, Romans chapter 7, who shall deliver me from the, oh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he answers his own question. I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Jesus Christ is always the answer to the sin problem, 
right? Not what I can do, not what I should do, not anything about me. The answer to the sin problem is always Jesus Christ and him crucified. So both the gift and both the offering are necessary for that substitutionary atonement. Christ was given to us so he could suffer in our place, and then he was offered for us so that he could remove the sin debt. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, kind of talks about both of them in one scripture. He says, And walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So I have, uh, hey, I think I did pretty good on the time. So I, I tell you, Brother Mark, I was, I was, I don't know, I was, I was, I, was, I when I was kind of, meditating this afternoon about these things. And I hope something we said was good. I hope so. But it wasn't wasted on me because it, it got me to thinking about Christ's double duty. Right. And so here's, so Christ, he's both gift and offering, right? We read in Acts chapter five, that he's both prince and savior, Acts chapter 2 says he is both Lord and Christ. Paul says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, that he is both apostle and high priest. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that he is both king of kings and lord of lords. So Jesus Christ in so much, every time you go back and look at the types and shadows in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is always the fulfillment of that. And many times, he pulls double duty. <laughs> He's the offer and the offering. God bless you, my prayer. Amen. Oh, amen. Amen, brother Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, drew the short straw, so I'm supposed to go first. Um, I, uh, I have, I have eight hundred thousand thoughts. I'm going to pick one out of a hat. Okay. And I'm just going to go with that for a second. Um, what I, Oh, what I love is the use of language, like specifically with the word, with a word like grace. I mean, like if you were to go up to somebody on the street and say, define grace, first of all, they'd stare at you very funny. Second of all, uh, just to kind of get like a like a definition, what 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 does the word like grace? What does that really mean? Not just as a as a as a function as we understand it in the New Testament scriptures or in the Bible, but like really when when we think of the word grace, well, what what does that sound like? What does that feel like? Um, if you were to ask someone it, like a, a non-religious definition of the word grace, it might be something like uh, he, he graced us with his presence, you know, right? Some, something along the lines of that. Like it is um, like a, a working definition of that would be uh, the, the gift of someone's self. <clears throat> I, I Right. It's the, the, it's, the, it's the gift of yourself. It is the gift that only you can give. That's kind of how we would understand that. 
to further understand that, and I am not, I am not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you you want Greek? Ask Dad. Ask Joe. Ask somebody. Uh, I just asked Strong's. Okay, <laughs> that's what I did, and I like that uh, the Greek word. For grace, for gift, a lot of the times is the word charis or charis. I don't know how you say that, but a conjugation of it is a word that we use today called charisma. And um, that just kind of shows the wonderful evolution of that word, that grace really is the gift of one's self. You know, it is, we, we also kind of think of grace as sort of a, Charity, which the word charity is a, <laughs> in its English is a derivative of that prefix from charis, you know, and um, it, it's it's this all-encompassing sort of idea that grace is not only a gift of oneself, it is a free gift of one's self. And the gift that God had to give to us was salvation through his son. Like, and, and, and if you want a really great working definition of it from the Bible itself, you, uh, you, you kind of, you, you, you sort of bookended it a little bit from Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 5. Ephesians uh, 2 and 5 is the easiest definition of grace in the world because Paul puts it in parentheses, right? Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, parentheses, by grace ye are saved. Right. You know, there's, uh, there's, all, uh, was it, was it Peter that said uh, that that sometimes reading the Apostle Paul's stuff can get a little cumbersome, or, or I, f I forget yeah. exactly how he said it, but it can get tough. Peter, yeah. This is anti-tough, okay? <laughs> this is like marshmallow soft, okay? <laughs> this is, this is as easy as it gets with the Apostle Paul. You want to know what the definition of God's grace, his free charitable gift of himself, the only person that could give this gift, being God, his gift to us, is to quicken us together with Christ. That's pretty cool. <laughs> like, and, and because then, how is it possible? How could you possibly misconstrue it as acceptance because if you identify the means of salvation yeah don't don't, don't get uh but well i mean you should look at everything don't get bogged down so much on how about this think of it sequentially think of it in terms of the method with which it was accomplished and the order with which it was accomplished <laughs> And then see how far down the list our effort is. And you will notice that it has nothing to do with our eternal salvation. Because Paul gets to that event. I mean, what, what do we get? Ephesians uh, two, 2 and 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's verse 9. Now verse, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus on two good works. Finally, here we are at something for us to do, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 
And that's where we finally get something to do. We get to walk in everything he's done for us. Not for eternal consequence. Because then, if it was, we'd have nothing to walk in. (laughs) Just follow the sequence. Follow the yellow brick road. Okay, It's going to lead you to the logical conclusion, as laid out by Scripture, that we have absolutely nothing to do with our own eternal salvation. And thank God for that. Grace is His gift, whether we like it or not. I do like it, but whether I like it or not doesn't matter. So um, I, I... I, I I love that I I love that that that's a that was a, a wonderful picture of that, uh, brother Uncle Tim. I really appreciate that. Um, who's next, brother Mike Hughes? Thank you, brother Daniel, brother Tim. That was wonderful. Really appreciate that. The Lord blessed you and blessed us. And I, I loved your clarity of, of explanation of, of offering. <coughs> I think that's uh, it's very timely in, in our day and time. So many are wrapped up with, with that. And we need to be reminded of it. And I appreciate what you brought out, especially how you did that. And uh, the Lord blessed you in, in, in hearing that. And to, uh, to Daniel's point, the grace that God gives us in this is just uh, immense and beautiful and uh, it's uplifting and think of it in the way that you presented it it's even more rich and we can rejoice in that you know really rejoice in it and uh, I'll say the riches of his grace yes mm. yes and so we see uh, a deeper meaning of uh, Christ and him being the giver. And, you know, and then our part is, as the recipient, you know, <clears throat> how, how blessed we are to be the recipient of such, such grace. And uh, so that's just really wonderful. I really appreciate it very much. And, uh, I think I want to pass on to uh, who's behind me. That's, that's Brother Joe, here with the level set. <laughs> no level set here. <laughs> Brother Tim, if I recall correctly, the last time I heard you on OBW, you taught a rich, edifying lesson and wrapped it around contemporary insurance practices. You taught a rich and edifying lesson and wrapped it around contemporary accounting practices. (laughs) But I'll say amen to both. Double amen. Um, People who know me know I love to chase words. And your emphasis as you were going through some of these bedrock passages just got me, got my head spinning. Ephesians 1 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted and loved. Amen. You 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 piqued my interest to a word 
well, two words really, as it turns out, that I hadn't chased before. <laughs> made accepted in mm -hmm. this verse is translated from one Greek word. Right, right. Are we surprised to learn it's a form of the Greek word that is translated grace? No, not surprised at all. Wherein he has graced, graced us in good love. Oh boy, that's that's what I'm going to keep. That I is love good. it. It's it's rich. I like you. I can't recall the the terminology our grammar teachers use to to try to drill into our thick heads good grammar it, it's hmm. basically using duplicate words words of duplicate meaning right in 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 the same sentence in english it's bad grammar but in first century greek it was perfectly accepted it was in fact a tool often used for emphasis right free grace is like all caps underscored bold <laughs> right. exclamation points behind it put it all there and splash it in lights this is not a compromise gift this is a free gift that's right there's the emphasis that it just it just jumps out right amen and then one more point i'll make and pass on <clears throat> In first or second Timothy chapter one, verse nine, who has saved us, past tense, and called us with an holy calling. That's something that happened in our lifetime. Perhaps the salvation as well, that of which Paul speaks here, was in our lifetime, the experience of it. Mm -hmm. Not according to our works, but according to to his own purpose and grace. Daniel, I love grace is the gift of one's self. It could not be better defined. That's in right. Scripture. And here's a beautiful place to underscore that point, which was given us in Christ Jesus before mm -hmm. the world began. Salvation occurs in the life experience, but our eternal family standing with God was secured by the pledge. Right. And in a cruel accounting, it's booked. That's right. That's right. That's right. And and God, Jesus didn't renege on the promise. Amen. He fulfilled it at Calvary. That's Amen, right. brother. Amen. That's right. Here's some more accounting, Brother Joe. Uh, so, so we know that two negatives make a positive, right? Yeah. So the only reason you use a double negative is to make something very, very sure, very, yeah. very positive. And you think of, for we have not a high priest that cannot, which cannot be touched yes. with the feeling of our infirmities. Yeah. It's a double negative, which makes it a sure positive sure positive. And, and i mm. think when you use a double positive it kind of does the same thing like you said with emphasis the yeah. free gift it's so a positive times positive is always positive but it's it's almost like you said it's emphasized you know that it is a free free gift
Yeah. And back to um, Daniel, what you said, if that Ephesians 5 and 2, where it says that um, hath given himself for us, the word given also comes from charis. Or, you know, yes. Charis. Charis. Thank you, scholar. Thank you. <laughs> you know, um, your, your quote of the who cannot not be touched, um, that means when we hurt, he hurts. Yes. He hurts. That means right. he's definitely touched. That's Every right. Every man in this in this panel, and you included, are pastors, and from what I've seen, have a pastor's heart. You'll you'll appreciate this. One Sunday, many many years ago, there was a young mother with a, a number of young children, came to Southern California from another part of the country. I never met her husband. I learned later that he was abusive. She was faithful on Sunday morning to bring those kids and to be at church. And sometimes it looked like she was struggling. Our folks have coffee in the lunchroom before we began our sing song service. And she would usually be in the lunchroom. I walked in on that Sunday morning and she's sitting in her regular pew her kids sitting with her, and she's looking at the hymnal. And I walked up to speak to her, and I saw a look of utter sadness in her face. She was looking at the hymn, Does Jesus Care? Mm -hmm. Boy, you better believe we sang that hymn. <laughs> Amen. Because of his grace and salvation, we can count on his grace in our trials. Amen. Amen. No doubt. Amen. It's yours, brother. Who oh, oh, man, I was listening. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, it's dad, dad. No, Jerry. No. Jerry. There we go. So who <laughs> in their infinite wisdom placed me behind Joe? <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't you. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know, Tim, Brother Tim, uh, you did not hit a double off the wall tonight. You cleared You cleared the bases, my friend. I mean, my goodness. The, the, Lord, uh, the Lord gave you such, such clarity in, in how you presented uh, the, the lesson. Um, and and as these brothers have already said, you know, brother brother Joe, of course, he went to Ephesians one. Um, that was like first on my list, so I'm going there anyway. Um, I, brother Joe, made some uh, outstanding remarks uh, relative to the made accepted, so I'll leave that alone. But I'm going to read it again because it's so good. It is having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, very important here, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. I love that phrase right there. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Um, I, I'm convinced, I really don't know all that is contained in, in those words right there. But it sounds remarkable. And, and God facilitated it uh, by himself 
unto himself. And that makes sense because he's the author of grace. We don't have grace by which to, to do this. But then he says, wherein he hath made us accepted, as Brother Joe clearly said, in the beloved. I, I wonder, do we embrace as fully as we should what it means to be in Christ? Yeah. To be in Christ. Uh, it goes beyond a posture of safety and, and security. Yeah. It's a position of surety is what mm. it is. And uh, to think that according to the will of God, um, we have been placed in Christ Jesus. I love so much how you, you set it up, Christ given, Christ offered. I, your statement, receiving a gift occurs, occurs upon the action of the giver. Um, how true that is. Whether we, re, whether we choose to take possession of the gift, right. it is still a gift because it is the giver that, that defines it as such. It's right. a gift, right? right? Uh, Brother Joe, again, made mention of, of free gift and, and the double positive and, and all of that and how thankful we are. I think of a free gift. I, I've been offered uh, from, from men uh, and individuals free gifts. They were not free at all. That's right. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. they, came, they came with a multitude of strings attached. Sometimes those free gifts cost me money. Uh, no, this is a this is a free gift that's under consideration, and it is all driven by and predicated upon the will of the giver. Mm-hmm. Um, you made another statement relative to the offering that Christ Christ is the offering. Um, you know, an offering, and, and I, I think you made this. You may have made this very quote. At least I wrote it down, so it's probably what you said. I wouldn't have thought of it. An offering must be accepted, right? right. An offering must be accepted. Uh, uh, the, the function of the offering, the purpose of the offering, by the one who's doing the offering, it never comes to fruition until the offering is accepted. Right. That is well, that great. just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah. It, yeah. And you, you did use the illustration that if it was offered unto you, what what might be the case, right? Uh, it, it, we are all in the same exact boat. At a bare minimum, if I look to receive the offering we're talking about, I most likely would have tried to doctor it up to suit my fancy. Mm-hmm. I would have added this or right. added that. Right. Um, we get offered things all of the time. Here's the reality of the matter. It, it wasn't offered to us, and therefore there's no decision. There's no decision to be made right. on Absolutely. our part. Right. None. There, right? there is no, there's nothing for us to accept. There's nothing to accept. Right. And it's because irrelevant. It, offer, it was offered to God. It was offered to God. Right. And all thanks be to God, he, he accepted uh, the Amen. offering. Uh, and even if we don't take possession of the gift, and what a shame, what a shame, what a crying shame that would be. It's still the free gift. It is still the free gift. And what a, what a beautiful lesson, uh, my, my dear friend. It, uh, 
it sure encouraged my heart and uh, made me thankful, <laughs> made me thankful for uh, the sovereign grace of Almighty God. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Go ahead, Dad. <clears throat> hey, yes. Somebody's got to play the David Montgomery role. <laughs> go He's the noted contrarian. And he would say something like, well, we've heard a lot of good things tonight. <laughs> he always goes like that. But nobody brought up the big one. I'll just say it. I'll just bring it out. I hope David doesn't mind bad. me trying to do a bad impression of him. <laughs> but I want to, to my brother, brother, Tim, Tim, whatever I, regardless of what I say next, just remember, I loved your message. I thought it was a great, great message. True, true, true. It's what I believe. And you said it a far better than I, I've ever been able to say it. Thank you. Having said that, now let me point you to a, a chapter. Did you mention anything about John 10? About, I did not, but certainly could have. Thank you. It makes it even better for me, speaking as David Montgomery. Okay. John 10, 29. I should ask Mark Rao to read this because he's got like four monitors going. But <clears throat> I'll and read my, it. And my phone. <laughs> <laughs> my father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I mention this text because it has the word gave, as in a gift. My question to you and to the peanuts in the peanut gallery which is all of these faces. Who gave what to whom? Yes, no, maybe so. Read it again, Brother Mike. My father, which gave them me. Before you try to answer it, just remember the rules of English grammar. <laughs> Joe, you know about the indirect object in English? When you use a word like a verb like gave, you have, usually you have, Say, like, Mark gave Joe a job. What did Mark give? A job. That's the object. That's the direct object. But who was it given to? That's to you, Joe. That's the, you're the indirect object, grammatically speaking. Now, apply these rules to John 10, 29. What do you say, brothers? Brother Peanuts? What Is there something to that? Who gave what to who? What did the father give to them? Me. Is that what we're going? Which gave them to Well, them. that's what I'm asking. I, <laughs> it's, I hadn't thought of it. Oh, oh, oh I, see, I, I get it. I see where you're going. I like it. God gave Christ yeah. to us. Yes. I love Which that. Gave them. Thank you. Like that's it. fantastic. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> but did you notice the word them is in italics? Yeah, it is. Yes. Now, if you were to transliterate it, that word them would, so would not let, be there. Let, her, let us read the verse without them. My mm -hmm. father, which gave me, me, gave me in what way to, we don't know. I mean, who did he give me to? Did he give I, me I to something? <laughs> the ones he gave unto eternal life. I think the, uh, what he's getting it with, the, now this is Jesus. He would know because he's the one the father Gabe, I think there's a, <clears throat> the strongest reading is he gave us to Jesus. Mm -hmm. But it op the way it's worded opens up the door to say he gave him to us. To us. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Now, is that is that unscriptural to say say that both are taught? Maybe not. Maybe that's the wrong verse to go to to say both. But do we not say? Well, you you quoted from Isaiah unto us his son. Yeah. Right. 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 Amen. No, that's, oh, that's I, I love that. They're both true. He They're goes both on to true. say, and no man is able to pluck them. Isn't that the well, same them as the one he gave me to them? I the think them, so. Yeah, I think so. Well, it, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting like image because it, because it says my father which gave them uh, oh plucked them out of my father's hand. So we are in the father's hand. Well, uh, he if Christ if if God the Father is giving Christ to us in that sense, it's I, I don't know if. I just have the image of Christ in one hand of the father and us in the other hand of the father. And there's like this giving. So it's just, it's all in control of the father. And so there's, it's, it's, it's not so much that, I mean, it is that one was given to another, but the bigger point is that we, that Christ, the son and us are both in possession by he the that, Father. For well, he that is sanctified and they that are sanctified are all of one. one. Yes. Brother Mike, I, Brother Mike, doesn't uh, verse 28 uh, actually define the them and yes. quantify the them? Please read that verse, Brother Jerry. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Great text. And, and I've always thought of that as double, that's double assurance. Because we're in the Absolutely. hand of Christ, and then Daniel, that hand of Christ, I think, is in the hand of the Father. Right. Right. Okay. So we are doubly no. secure. Yeah. Now, I'm surprised Mark hadn't come up with this one. <laughs> Hebrews 2.13. Read, somebody read that one for me, because I don't read too good. Somebody read Hebrews 2.13. It's quoted from Isaiah 8 and 18. Okay. Hebrews 2.13. Do you, yeah. you just want 13? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children, which God hath given me. Oh, I like that. But you know, as, as great as either way of looking at it, I think the, the, the primary way is to say the father gave the elect family of God to Jesus. Right. The secondary way of thinking of it is that, God gave his son to the elect family for the purpose of redeeming them, right? There, and then we get into the offering. Okay. Uh, going back to that text in John 10, here's where something interesting pops up because you see this in more literal translations, <clears throat> and it's in this phrase, is greater than all, going back to John 10, 29. Now, the way it reads, it seems pretty simple. My father, which he gave to me, is greater than all. That is, the father is greater than all. And that is true, of course. But I think the language could be seen to be that what the father gave Jesus is the greatest thing of all. Mm. That what he... that The actual gift. Give, yeah. That in giving him us... To Jesus, that is the only thing that matters. I like that. Uh, maybe that's not a, the right way to put it, but it is. 
to him the great joy for the joy that was set before him, um, for the uh, thing that he suffered so much for. He wouldn't have suffered. Of course, he did suffer because he loved his father and would do the will of his father. But we should never forget that what he did, he did out of love for the people for whom he did it. Without question. Without question. Yeah. So I just threw that out there to see, to just to think, just thinking out loud with you guys. I'm not saying yeah. I've got the answer. You know, just- it, Brother Mike, that's, it's an interesting thought, a line of thought that you bring. Uh, a lot of times when we consider, you know, uh, us and God and then the love, <laughs> we consider loving God from our perspective, looking up unto God which brings a, a, a boatload of responsibility and opportunity and blessing. But when we stop in for a minute and along the lines of what you're saying, when we consider the love that Christ has for his bride, it, it truly sets me back to, to consider what he endured um, for her, for her. Um, you know, that, that's the side of the, the love equation that I think we all would be. And, and Brother Tim, your message tonight caused me to think of it from that perspective. Um, think of the love equation from the perspective of God loving us. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Um, when I'm blessed to do that, uh, it, it, it changes my mindset because when I'm looking at my love to God, it's tainted with my sin. It's tainted with the debt of sin and just the whole thing of sin. But when I think of God loving me, I don't feel that. I don't, I don't sense that near as much. Um, that's, that's a pretty good line of thought there, Mr. Montgomery. <laughs> I, I, did I pull the rug out from anybody or I wasn't meaning to do that, but there's two wonderful thoughts and you know the language could maybe be used to support them both but i i would be remiss in saying that i think the primary point was the here is the great gifting that the father gave to the son yeah mm. i mean which, and which, look what he gave up to to come and do i mean we know that just for his love for his father was enough to do what he did but he made himself of no reputation he humbled himself uh, he he became impoverished. He he became he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's all done on love. And if you look at that text, the last one that I quoted from the Second Corinthians chapter five, what is the dominant theme of that? The love of Christ constraineth us. Christ out perfect love for his family, as you said, Brother Jerry's bride, Mm. it drove him, it constrained him to do whatever was needed to be done to rescue. Without doubt. Okay. I was going to go into uh, Romans 3 and then Romans 5, but Mark's giving me that. I can tell his knee is going pop, 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 (laughs) pop. Take it away, my brother. Bring us on home, brother. I like what you said though, Mike, about John chapter 10, uh, especially the first part yeah. about uh, gave them me. Um, it's ambiguous, maybe for a purpose. <clears throat> uh, well, I, that's that. You know what? That's a great that's a better way to say it than I was going to say it. It, it. Maybe it's ambiguous for a purpose, but I think it does state 
um, exactly what it, you know, what it was written for and that it is that, um, you know, Christ is the gift that was given to us. I mean, that's how brother Tim started this out. I think in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. So, um, absolutely no harm, no harm done in that brother Mike. Um, something did come to mind over in Titus chapter two, I think verse 11, uh, I think it says for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lust, we shall live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. And then it says, um, Oh, I'm looking at that blessed or for that. blessed. Yes. Where's, where's Colossians? <laughs> no, it's Titus. <laughs> Titus. Sorry. But at verse, it goes in verse 14, um, yeah, two and 14. Uh, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Well, that's a loaded word. text right there, isn't it? Isn't mm-hmm. it though? So it takes me back to Tim just, oh my word. <laughs> it's, it's, my brain is awash in thoughts because of how well the Lord blessed you to present Christ. Blessed message. <laughs> Christ given and Christ offered. Um, but my thought has gone back to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3. Tim went to Hebrews, so I get to go to Hebrews, right? Isn't that how it works? For every high every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Where wherefore it is of necessity that this man have someone somewhat to offer. offer. He had that what was something. Well, you know, you you think of that, you think of that word somewhat, and you might relate it to, you know, say you go out, you know, we go out to lunch and everything, and Jerry, you order something, I order something, and Jerry says, Brother Mark, do you enjoy your lunch? And I might go, hmm, somewhat. Mm-hmm. So what what is that what does that relate to you, Brother Jerry? Yeah, yeah, you're not satisfied. Also good. It's not, it's not satisfying, right? But don't look at my food. But that <laughs> too late. But the pro the problem is, well, I should say the solution to the problem of something like that is to go back to the etymological yes. definition of those <laughs> words. Go back yeah. and look at the root. And that word somewhat means a certain amount to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You talk about ambiguous, brother Mike. Ooh. A certain amount to a certain degree. So yeah. my usage of somewhat is is I'm saying I didn't I didn't not like it, but I've had better. So I liked it. I liked a certain amount of it to a certain degree. But when Paul writes that this, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer, it's comparative to the degree and uh, it's comparative to the amount and to the degree of the offering under the law by the Levitical priesthood. Mm-hmm. They offered what they could according to what God had ordained for them to offer. Right. right? They had somewhat to offer as well, but it was to a certain amount and to a certain degree. What does Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 say? For the law being a shadow of good things to come and come and not the very image thereof could never and never with those sacrifices make the comers thereunto perfect. Right? right? Yeah. It wasn't it given for that. Right. It wasn't mm. given for the Levitical priesthood to perfect or to cleanse the people of Israel. 
by that law, but it pointed to something greater. It pointed to something better. It pointed to something that we refer to as the grace of God that bring us salvation that appeared to all men in the man Christ Jesus, right? And somewhat. And so now let's look at that somewhat. Brother Tim, I think, already quoted what? Uh, Hebrews 9 and 28. And I know we're out yes. of time. Yeah. Uh, but Hebrews 9 and 28. Uh, well, let's look at verse 26. Then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once, once in the end of the world hath he appeared right. to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. himself. So there's the certain amount, yeah. right? He has somewhat to offer. Here's the certain amount. It's not the blood of bulls and goats. It's not the sprinkling of the ashes of the heifer. It's not any of that that the Levitical priesthood did. But once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them to look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So there's another loaded text for you, Brother Mike, that I'm, that I'm going to move out of, and I'm going to move into the 10th chapter real quick. So he, the cert, what was the certain amount? It was him. Mm -hmm. right. It was him. Yeah. What was the certain somewhat. degree? Yeah. So in chapter 10, it says in verse 14, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us. For after that, he said before, this is a covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put their laws into their hearts, put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. There's this certain degree. There you go. So him offering of himself, that offering, of that son that was given to us when that child was born, right? That yeah. offering that he made was the certain amount that was required. And it, what was required was himself. And to the degree, to the extent that the offering that he made was far above and beyond anything that Levi could do. Amen. Right? Amen. Because Levi yes. couldn't take away sin. Jesus nope. Christ did take did. away sin. That's the that's degree. Right there. Yeah. I mean, that's more than 100% if you ask me, Brother Mike. And who did he do it for, Brother Mark? He who did he did do it for? for those us, the Father gave right. him. Those that were given to him before the foundation that's of the right. world. That's right. Oh, my goodness, right. Tim. That's a twofer right there. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, and it really got me going, my mind going on that. Yeah. I love that. He has somewhat to offer, and somebody might yeah. say, oh, You mean he just got a little? No. Yeah. no. He's got everything. Awesome. You yep. know, he's got everything. Oh, my goodness, Tim. Uh, Lord bless. Lord Outstanding. Bless. Well, amen. Tim, thanks, Brother Tim. Lord bless you tonight, brother. Yes, sir. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the message and the heart challenge tonight, brethren. I really oh, the heart challenge was great. Amen. Oh, yeah. Can I make one final point? I missed this, but Brother Mike, the last thing you said, uh, I thought about it as far as the definition of a gift. It is it's based upon love or need. And and, mm -hmm. and you and you hit on that. It's, it's because we know that the gift of the God is truly based on love. An offering is based on need, condition. Or consideration. So to me, oh, that makes sense. I like that. It's Interesting. It really emphasizes the gift. There's no consideration involved whatsoever. It's Amen. either based on love or a need. 
Mm. Wow, that's good. That's really good. Why do you say that at the beginning, man? That was a good <laughs> You waited till yeah, now to say that. All right, we got to start over again. Daniel, you're going out. All right. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> All right, so starting over. I think I talked about marshmallows for a second. Uh, I was thinking stay puffed. There you go. Hey, who's on next week? Who is on next week? Yeah, who is on next week? Well, he's right here. That would be Daniel Montgomery. Oh, he was just gone. No, he wasn't. It has been forever since Daniel's been on. Yeah. We had to I, gotta, I don't we had even to remember the last time I was on. We had to change so much around right. that that, that uh, neither yep. Daniel nor I. Let's see, I was two weeks ago, right, or three weeks ago. That was my first time this year, and this is Daniel's first time this year. Wow! We just, uh, our schedule had to be rearranged so many. That's times. That's right. I went yeah. in December. I, that's why our viewership has dropped off so much, man. Yeah. So, all right. So be be praying for Brother Daniel. Yes, I'll get the Google Slides powered up. We're gonna have a good time. You better have somewhat to say next. You better have somewhat, some, somewhat emphasis yeah, on the sum, emphasis on the what. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one. Well. Uh, so so uh, we we're not taking roll next week. Okay, just to be clear. Um, but uh, anyway, Uncle Tim, thank you so much for that message. So good to be here. And yeah, it was, it was wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Um, and uh, we 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 got to get you back on here again. Yes. Oh, and hey, we I almost forgot. I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Um, so Uncle David has been in the comments. Um, he started with a little light trolling. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that is um, Nobody else should say that. There you go. But his good comment was was here. Christ was given to us by the Father. Christ was offered for us to the Father. We are on the receiving end of both, not on the action of the same. <laughs> there you for go. Him, that, that's that's what David wrote that. Right. He, he probably asked Leslie what she thought, and that's what she said, and he just wrote it down. <laughs> Uh, well, we, 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 we do our best. Um, yes. Well, again, thank you so much for being with us, Brother Tim, and um, look forward to having you on here again. And uh, y'all, y'all come on back next week if you feel like listening to me for a little bit. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. Oh, good. Here's here's another one. Swine Mike. There we are. <laughs> Swine Mike. <laughs> well with that uh we're gonna ask brother jerry if he'll close us out with prayer all right if you'll bow merciful heavenly father lord we we thank thee this evening for uh, the manifestation of thy spirit among us lord for blessing this our dear brother tim to expound upon thy word lord for the liberty that you gave unto him by the clarity uh, of the lesson that he set before us, Lord, it makes our heart rejoice, uh, understanding that the gift that thou hast given unto us exceeds all things that we might even, even imagine in our lives. Lord, bless us to meditate upon these things, to be thankful for them. Lord, just continue to lead us by thy spirit. Be the light to our path. Forgive us of our sins. Overlook our imperfections. We pray for those that are sick and afflicted, at this time, and those that mourn the loss of loved ones, just comfort them uh, by thy, thy tender and, and thy merciful hand. 
Lord, go with us now as we go forward through the furtherance of this week. Again, just lead us and guide us by thy holy and divine spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we will see you all next week. Everybody say good night. Good night.